It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah! Hey, we're one day closer to the weekend. It's Thursday. Welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. G. Bush. <laughs> it's good to have you back, my friend. You feeling better? Yes, I am back better than ever. Good. Slightly. Glad to hear that. Slightly. I'm on the men's butt. Are we in the building today, though? Yeah, which is good. Uh, Adam is not. Adam the Bull, he's going to join us second hour, right? Yeah, we have three remote calls, and we only have three remote lines. So, yeah. unfortunately, we just couldn't work bowling earlier, but he's going to join us about 12, 15, 12, 20 after good. Aditi for our full Guardians offseason preview. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. He uh, sort of teased that yesterday. I'm curious. He mentioned a catcher that he thinks that the Guardians should really go after. I'm curious to see which name he's going to throw out at us. Uh, you mentioned Aditi. Aditi's going to be on. She's coming on the second half hour. She'll kick off our noon hour. We're going to talk about the Browns-Dolphins matchup. There's a lot to get into there. Big, big. They're all big, let's face it. But this one's really big for the Browns. It's a, it's an AFC game. They're already in a big hole in the AFC when it comes to tiebreakers. Miami is a team that will certainly be in the mix for a wild card spot, perhaps a divisional title, but right now it looks like a wild card. The Browns have already lost too many games to teams that are in that fight. They cannot lose this football game. We'll talk more about that. Also, Sam Yeager, who is a huge Browns and Buckeyes fan. He's also an up-and-coming actor. He's at, What's the Netflix series he's in? Handmaid's Tale. That's Hulu and uh, Devil in Ohio. Devil in Ohio is a new show. Devil in Ohio is the new one. That's the one I've heard about. Uh, and he kind of, true to form, he plays this guy that's a big Cleveland Browns and Ohio State Buckeye fan. He's going to join us um, here in just a little bit at the bottom of the hour. But we have to do, we're starting with no fence riders. So is do we, do we already have... Maurice on? Maurice is not on yet, so let's give him one more sec to hop on. He, uh, All right. he usually is on time, so he said 11.05, so give him two more minutes and we'll While we back. wait for him, G. Bush, yesterday one of the things we talked about was the Browns matching up against the Dolphins. and I, We talked about the most pivotal player for the Browns in this football game. I, I think it's Denzel. I think if he doesn't play, it's an L, period. I think if he plays, we have a very, very good chance at winning. What say you about who the pivotal player in this football game is? Well, I look at Denzel definitely has to play in this game. When you look at uh, Jalen Waddle and you look at Tyreek Hill, I mean, these two guys are on pace for one of the most historic years of all time. I mean, one guy has 1,100 yards, one guy has 800 yards, and we're halfway through the season. So I look at him, and I also look at if I had to pick, it'd be a picking, splitting hairs between. Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett because right. they're gonna have to get some pass rush. It's the same recipe yeah. they had uh, when when they when they went against the Bengals. You, you're dealing with people that uh, that have a, a prolific passing attack. You need to be able to get home, and if you're not gonna get home, at least give a little pressure. 
And, and if they could do that, I think that they can stick in the game, stay in the game. Um, and I, this is a winnable game to, for me. Um, you know, I know that they're a good team. They don't run the ball very much. Um, but if if the Browns can get a turnover too, because Tua will give you a turnover. He'll yeah. give you a couple if you pressure him. Um, and, and he's been banged up a lot. Uh, I think we're not saying to go out and try to concuss somebody, but we want to put him on the ground and make him see a little something. We want to make him nervous in the pocket. Make and, him uncomfortable. Yeah, comfortable. Nothing yeah. else. Nothing else did, didn't do in that. Um, but I, I think the Browns are in a unique position. Before the bye, I was very pessimistic about the outlook of the team. Yeah. If they can win this game, I think it changes the complexion of what everyone thinks about them because then that would mean you played a really great team in Cincinnati who, who went to the Super Bowl last year. Now you're going to play the Dolphins who are high-flying offense. And when you get those two things taken care of, now yeah. Buffalo seems like, I mean, I'm not winning. You know, we're going to see about Mr. Allen, but Buffalo all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he, he if he doesn't play in that game, that game turns from, Jason said, 0% win to I think the Browns are favored in that game if, they, if Josh Allen does not play wow. that game. Favored. I, I, I give them a favor if they can win this win. Yeah, this, I, win I know. We don't want to look too far ahead yeah. of ourselves. But, I, I, you know, when we did the preseason talk about where do they have to be when Watson comes back, I think everybody kind of agreed if you're not 6-5, and five, you're really on the outside looking in because yep. you're going you're to ask Deshaun to win six games, five games. Only lose uh, and, one game. Yeah, and that, that, that's too tight of a rope to walk. So I, you can't get there if you lose this one. Can't. You, you can't. That's why I think this is – I think the playoffs are underway. I think yes. they are for, for the Browns. This elimination game. Too. You have to win. All right, uh, do we have Maurice? We do have Maurice. Yes, sir. What's up, Maurice? What's uh, up? There he is. <laughs> Hey, Maurice, they got you back in the attic again, dog. <laughs> they said, nah, you was doing too much downstairs. I told you the kids were asleep. You baby sleeping. You said nothing. You won't be allowed talking this football. Man, you got to keep it quiet. You got to keep it quiet during them sleeping hours, dog. You know what I'm saying? Get you together. Oh. Well, two things. One, my life is back to normal because the baby's born. So we got like some sort of uh, like a normal schedule again. And you see, I was right last week about the uh, the Buckeyes when they played Northwestern. I thought about you. You were I told right. you that you play that you, you play down to the competition. Those other guys. You see, you see what happened last week. So you wait. I wasn't here. You said they would struggle with the Wildcats. Yeah, it, it, it's it's like you can you can probably I don't know you you're a sports buff. You can probably go through history in college. Most of the guys who are going to the NFL, those guys are set on performing very well. Right, but the other guys who think that the guys who are going to the NFL that's going to take care of the game, uh, those guys kind of take off. But they don't realize that the other team across from them are playing like it's a Super Bowl. And so, you know, like mentally, if you're not prepared uh, to fight somebody, like no matter how good you are, if a person just believes that they can win, like, uh, and, and I say it all the time, and you can take this with you for the rest of your life. The, the only difference between somebody who goes to Northwestern or Wisconsin or Ohio State is just the inconsistent play in high school or like some factor of like size or weight or something like that, right? But if you can make it to a Division One program, I don't care where it's at, you can play foot, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, and so these guys are competitive, uh, but the reason that Ohio State wins is because it's hard for Northwestern to hold it together for four quarters right. than right. it is for Ohio State to just put it together for a series or two. And so, That's so uh, I just, I, it's, it's – <laughs> 
Yeah, it's always like that. That's real as heck. You just said that, man. Like yeah. that is a fact. Like it even I could even look at myself. Like if you say, you know, one year I was, you know, I'm all of a sudden played behind Kenny Peterson. And so all of a sudden, yep. Kenny Peterson is just the two time he was defensive player year. I didn't play to my junior year. And what happens is they're like, Oh, you play well your junior <coughs> year, but you're gonna have to prove that again. That's the difference between the levels, right? If I would have been playing earlier, mm -hmm. playing at that level, they would have been like, Listen, Ohio State, Michigan, do whatever you want. But you know, when you're not when you don't have that cachet and that film work, you are gonna go to a lower school. Like chances are, unless you're a dynamic quarterback or something like that. So that is that is all factual. What he just said. Yeah, but you, you but, but you, but you can still players play. Can play. Yeah. yeah, players uh -huh. can play and players get out too. Yep. You know, when you <coughs> you look at uh, local guys that had good high school careers mm -hmm. that went to smaller colleges. Mm -hmm. um, Kareem Hunt ended up at Toledo. I still can't. He confuses me. <laughs> I, I don't know how he got. I, I don't know how he got away. How he missed the radar. But Northwestern is filled with guys like that. Yep. And they're this year they're having a down year. Obviously, they're a lower tier team in the Big Ten. But don't sleep on these guys because they still have premier athletes. And if you take them for granted, they will stand up and they'll make some noise against you. Just like every how many people do you see in the NIL, uh, not the NIL, but the, the transfer portal, right? You see these guys that's coming from like Duquesne. All the time go, now. going to USC. I'm like, how are you? Yeah. Colgate. Yeah, I'm at Michigan right now. What? You went to a D2 school, and now all of a sudden, you ready to go, Maurice. They put numbers up. They get the film work out there, and all of a sudden, guess what? Yep, they so, go to big schools. No, look, I, I tell you, I, when I, went to, I was visiting Marcus Freeman a few weeks back, um, I, went to, I went to Indiana for something totally different, but I stopped at the campus. And when I was talking to him, man, they treat college like free agency now. And he was talking about guys who are like, you know, running backs who are splitting time at other schools and – they talk like they're going to pick these people from other places. So you may, you just may have like a, a bad high school program and you didn't win a bunch of games or somebody didn't see you, but you go to college, you develop, you play for a few years, and now somebody can pick you up and, you know, you, you, you're in the spotlight again. And, uh, you know, who highlighted – Joe Burrows highlighted that stuff, you know, where he had his time right. to develop yeah. at Ohio State and then he went to the championship. And so now it becomes, uh, it becomes a, a thing or a part of recruiting where – you know, at one part it was frowned upon, but now, you know, teams are like, hey, uh, this is how I get better. I mean, it's the reason why Nick Saban is struggling. You know, you, you don't you don't, you don't, don't monopolize these guys anymore just from your, your brand in general. You know, being with NIL and also being able to um, pull people out of the portal, uh, those things are, are definitely factors. In, and you'll see more more people who, who uh, corral their booster teams or whoever the, those people are, they call it like um, – these little syndicates that they got of uh, boosters who act like, okay. you know, uh, NIL deals, right? It's a little syndicates mafia, right? Good, syndicates <laughs> the proper word. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, a lot of money they, changing hands. Yeah, they, all they do is they syndicate their money and then they say, oh, it's a charity. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to <laughs> we're going to buy this uh, high school kid. Yeah. His mother, you know, all all times have changed, and, and you and you may know that more than anybody. Now we have legal syndicates. All right, let's do fence riders. Um, McNuggets, how many questions do we have this week? We have six questions, and before we start, I just want to give you guys a stat. All right. For the first time since we started doing this segment, yep. we have multiple unanimous answers. So I went oh, back wow. through the wow. archives. And we have had eight times so far in eight weeks we've had unanimous answers. We are three and five on those unanimous answers. So oh, well, take that's good. Everything we say now with a grain of salt because 
Four of these are unanimous. Okay. Four of Four. the six? I hope they're all on the good wow. side. They are on the good side for the Browns, but our previous track record says that may not be a good day. So, <laughs> yeah. right. we're going to see. Well, wait, three out of five, that's 60%. No, three and five. Oh, three, three and five. five. I thought you said yeah. three out of five. Eight times we've been unanimous. We've been right unanimously three times. We've we been tend wrong to lean home. I mean, I don't think I that's. I'm just, I'm just saying, let, let okay. the world know. I just don't want anyone to be like, they said this is, has to be true. The whole panel agrees. Right. We're the smartest people in Cleveland, I know, but even smart people. <laughs> I'm glad you know it. <laughs> so hey, just throw it out there. For those that are just seeing this for the first time, explain what No Fence Riders is. What, well, how do we It's play simple. It? Either on one side of the fence or the other. It's a uh, yes hardcore. or no question. Yeah. Hardcore, no middle ground. No waffling. And Maurice has become a fixture with this and he's sometimes the voice of reason so Maurice I hope <laughs> I hope you're the voice of reason here sometimes so let's take question number yeah. one here Steve will a Brown not named Miles Garrett record a sack versus Miami Maurice you're at first the, the only reason I'm going to say no it has more to do with uh I'm gonna butcher his name Toga Loyal whatever his name is I think he's he's conditioned after what happened in his injury to get the ball out there faster so I would say no all you have to do is call him Tua. That works. Tua. Yeah, it just ain't Tua. <laughs> well, Maurice, I'm glad you said no because – let's see the reveal, Steve. Literally everybody else said yes. So Maurice is on the wall and everyone else is on the fence. I'm just playing the odds on this. I am too. Yeah. Like, you know, and I count a half a sack as a sack, by the way. I don't know. Maybe she got a point of clarification. Any, listen, a half a sack is a sack. I did not yeah. clarify, so a half yeah. sack yeah. does count. And yeah, okay. Let's see the Brown so sack leaders this year. We have played eight games. This is how the team stacked. That is woeful, by the way. So, that is woeful. Dang. I know. Yeah. That is really. So when I put the question at first in my head, I'm like, that's too easy. And then I remembered. No, it's not. Look that's, at these. That's the statistics what say someone will not. That's what happens when you don't bring any pressure. You know what, though? I, we had a safety sack. Yeah, we did. That's, I, not, that's not up there. Well, there's a couple people tied with one. Like okay. John Johnson has one. <laughs> Ronnie <laughs> Harrison has half Okay. They didn't even make the cut. It's not as bad as it looked then. When, yeah. when, when you put that up there and said, here's our sack, <laughs> I, I thought, that's it? That's all? We can only, we can, I mean, we could put 20 guys with the half sacks on all the right. list. But Maurice, what's up? You try chiming in. No, I, I don't, y'all don't think that Tua wants to get the ball out a little bit sooner after what happened to him? Yeah, I do. I think he doesn't want to take that hit. But at the same time, you've got to be able to get home. Um, you know, I, we'll it's, it, it, I think that is, we've talked about this all week, and I'm, I'm, I'm dying to get your thoughts. Leroy said, do not blitz Tua. Don't do it. You're playing into their hand if you blitz them. Um, I think everybody else on the panel kind of agrees. You've got to get pressure. And when you rush, you've got you to, have get to get home. pressure. So uh, what's your yes. mindset here? Are you coming after him hard? You can't let him sit back there and, and, and take all day. Tyreek even more dangerous. If you're, you know, oh, Tyreek Hill gets four seconds. One it's way, a touchdown. One, when you're Talk asking the key player in the game, with, to me, Denzel is, hasn't been Denzel this year. So no. even if he plays – Miles is the one who can change the whole thing. If he's getting there and, and, and speeding up the, the patterns a little bit, that might be your best way to neutralize Tyreek is to just let Miles get after him. I agree. What do you think, Maurice? Mm. Do you think they should come hard with blitzes? No. I, I agree. It, it, it play, to, to me, when you, when you play with blitzes and you get him running and any quarterback throwing, the same windows that you're used to practicing with and the same timing that you're used to practicing with, all that stuff is disrupted now. The downside is, is that sometimes people are out of place and you catch a ball short and you run long. But the upside to me far outweighs the downside. And you can scheme around that. You can scheme and bracket around 
uh, Tyreek Hill. Everybody knows he's an amazing talent. He can catch the ball short and run long and do all those things. But I would I would take my chances. I would just literally get after him, um, make everybody play underneath. You know, whatever they get short, they get short and, and, and live with that. But, you know, like that's just me. I, I, I tend to want to play defense that way. Man, listen, but, I'm – I'm, I'm aggressive, you know, just like you, Maurice. It, it, I even go back to my past life. You got to be aggressive in the club. You're in the club. There's a nice looking girl. You can't be waiting the last call. It's 145, <laughs> dog. You got to pull a stunt. You got to pull a stunt. Listen, I ain't got no abs, bro. I ain't, I ain't really no Casanova type dude. I'm kind of big. I need you to, I need to wear on you a little bit. You, I got to on you. Like, dog, man, you know what? This dude, this dude, he kind of cute. He kind of funny. But you, can, you can't be sitting around waiting to 145, 15, 11, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll wait. I'll get you in there. No, he, he stands at the door. He greets them as they come in. How you doing, G-Bush? Yeah, yeah. You, y'all, all y'all can't talk to Maurice Claret. Yeah, he scored touchdowns. All y'all, y'all want to talk to Maurice? You got to come with me. I'm, I'm right with him. Like, yeah. Maurice's philosophy is I'm not blitzing. I'm just sitting there. <laughs> you, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, ladies. Yeah, post it up. <laughs> all right, what's number two, McNuggets? G. Bush, that's going in the UCSS Analogy Hall of Fame. That is, that's one of the best ones. I, can, I come back ready with analogies. That is good. All right, question number two. This one was not unanimous. Will Kevin Stefanski go for it on fourth down more times than Mike McDaniel? Maurice, what say you? I'm going to say yes, because you got to win. You have to. Like, the, the conversation that you all just had uh, with this being, if we need a game to get to the playoffs and it's all contingent on winning this stuff, he has to be thinking that same way, too. There's, there's, too, much, um, there's too much information out there in the world, and he knows where we sit in regards to the playoff race. So I'm going to say yes. The rest of the panel? All right, let's see it. Let's see it, Steve. I bet we all. I bet the majority said yes. There it is. Yeah, I. Tyvis is yeah. here to defend himself, but Jason, you are. Why do you think he won't go for it more? Because I think it'll probably be the same. Couple. I think they're so. Yeah, they're so <laughs> like-minded. They're both going to go for it twice or three times or four times. You know, yeah. I'm sort of playing the odds. Again. I do. Oh, agree I, with you. I agree with you. I do think they're very similar yeah. in yeah. their in their mindsets. They're this young you know, renegade, wild, wild west type coach when it comes to those situations. But I, the reason I said yes is, Maurice, for the exact same reason you did. I think the Browns' backs are against the wall. And I think they're going to – you know, normally you would coach that way, particularly late in the game if you needed a score. But I think they're going to play this entire football game like it's six minutes to go and they're down a score. At least I hope they play with that urgency. Well, go back to the Falcons game when they're going for it on fourth and three right. from the four. Their yeah. thought process going into that game was we need six, not three. We need sixes, not threes. Right. And they'll probably have the very same mentality this sure. week. So yeah, right. they, they got they, – I, I liked – you weren't here, Jay. But what I liked uh, against the Bengals, they did something. I thought he made a, a nice little adjustment. We used to get on them all the time about him going forward, not understanding – um, understanding what the game needed at that point. I thought with the, against the Bengals, he was uh, up eight points. Yeah. First of all, he went for the two, right? Right. Got to pit only went up for the two. Cool. Awesome. Then he said, my defense is playing good right now. It's before half. I could, he could have went for that. He kicks the field goal. Yep. Now it's 11. 11 nothing going into 11 nothing going into the uh, half. And guess what? That that eleven seemed like it was twenty one at the time. It did. At the time, it was like with the Dang. way their defense was playing, you felt really comfortable yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. So he, I I think he'll he'll fill it out, and, and I trust him to fill a game out because it's like playoffs to me. Like you said, this is a playoff game. Yeah. It's very. It's, it's, you've got to coach it like uh, like their life depends on it. 
Number three, McNuggets. Number three, this was the most split, my favorite question of the week. Will Tyree Kill have more receiving yards than Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones combined? Tough. Not unanimous on the Panama Reese. Which side do you fall on? <laughs> it just sounds so disrespectful. I, just, I have to say no. Maurice, before you answer that, let me remind you of this. Super fat. He has more receiving yards than, what is it, seven teams? This is crazy. Right there. This is crazy. He has more receiving yards by himself than the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Falcons, the Texans. Giants, Bears, Ravens, Titans. That's disrespectful to those teams, but that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Hey, hey so, so, uh, so I can get you. So I, I'm usually a fact person, and then like along the way, there's like this ego that comes in, and it, like when I read that question, I was like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> I, just, I, I, I guess just my, my pride in being a Browns fan, I just didn't want to say yes. But the facts are the facts, and information is information, and. Uh, what, what do they pay him, like $25 million a year? He, he's earned every dollar of it, man. He has. You're exactly right. What does the panel say? So Maurice says no, and on this one, <laughs> he sides with Tyvis, Bull, and Polk. Jay and Jason, the two Jays, say he will. Jay, you want to go? It's close because, I mean, DBJ's having a great year. He's really coming into his own. So it's it, – I, I went back and forth on this one, and honestly, when the question went up, I wasn't sure which side I, I finally answered on. Yeah. Because I, I could make the argument either way, but I, I do think – you know, I just got done saying the way to neutralize him is to get miles after him. But, Maurice, you said it earlier. It's the short catch and runs where mm. he's so right. dangerous. Scares the hell out of you. Yeah, just just get the ball in his hands, and who's going to catch him on this defense? And yeah. so that's ultimately why I said yes. I think one of the problems that I have here is I cannot – debulk my brain of the Browns' secondary problems through the first six weeks of the season. Yeah. I can't divorce myself from that. Now, if this defense plays like they did against the Bengals, now granted, they didn't have Chase playing, but if they play of that caliber where guys are clearly on the same page, because against Cincinnati, they communicated well, there weren't those breakdowns. But if they play at all like they did in the first six games of the season where it was one mental breakdown after another, guys taking the wrong man, miscommunication, if they play like that, he'll have more receiving yards than probably the two of them and Njoku thrown in there. The, the dangerous part is when you when you allow them to get uh, you know free releases and you allow them to just be – uh, you know, just just really free off getting off the line of scrimmage and not too much pressure with jamming or any other other of those things playing zone. We saw it against Kansas City with Tyreek Hill. And what happened was, you know, if you don't give them that time, they'll scramble around, scramble around, scramble. And now all of a sudden, Tyreek Hill, he's he's a, he's the god MC when it comes to, to to scramble drills. He'll move around and then take off this way, and you'll throw the ball, and they'll bounce it. Oh, my gosh, Tyreek Hill's behind the defense. And you're like, oh, God, like, that's even worse. I would rather give him sometimes the little five yard outs and, and tackle him. But I think it's even worse if you let him sit back there because now the scramble drills can look crazy. But the, even the five yard outs, I, 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 tell, I hold my breath on those. Maurice? No, I, I tell you, yeah, where they, where they have a lot of success with him at is that, um, you, you know, going into the season, what like when you, when you line up in a certain formation, you know the tendencies of the defense and what they line up in. And where you run into trouble like this is that if I can force you to go into a zone scheme and then I can force him. Like, so I'll give you a prime example. Like, it just you, you have a lot of stuff that's uh, post-snap reads. They'll, 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 they'll dictate the coverage that the defense has. 
by motioning into something or setting up into something, right? And then when the guys release off of the line, it dictates which route that the guys run. So that makes it tough on defenders because if you're a linebacker and Tyreek is about to get passed off to you because we forced you all to run some sort of zone coverage or some sort of uh, bump and, and bump and pass to the linebacker from the defensive back, that's where it gets tough. And that's where if you have more than three, four, five seconds back there at quarterback, you know, ain't no linebacker watching that guy. You know what I'm saying? No. And you have situations like this or, you know, when he takes those five-yard outs or those hitches or those curls, they know uh, based upon them lining, like, hey, we're going to run a smash concept. So that forces the, the safety to be high over uh, up top and they're going to run cover two. And, you know, it just, it just there's just certain little nuances that uh, Miami is obviously playing with, but he's basically like a cheat code. His, his skill set, excuse me, hate it or love it, is so different or his speed is so much different than, you know, just an average person in the NFL, and, you know, he's had success from him. Yeah, he is that rare guy right now in the NFL, and you see them every so often. He's that rare guy who really you can't prepare for him because there's not another one like him that does all of the things <laughs> that he can do, and it's so hard to stop those guys. Okay, what's the next one? We have three questions left in seven minutes. So all right. I'm going to make sure these are Let's move into two-minute offense. And they're all unanimous. So, Maurice, if you disagree, you'll be the one on the other side. But this question is, Will the Browns win the turnover battle on Sunday? And keep in mind, these are two of the worst teams in terms of takeaways they are, in the they're NFL. Down the bottom. Maurice. Wishful thinking, yes. <laughs> Maurice says yes, and so does oh, literally no. everyone else we asked on the panel. Yeah, that's it is bad. A <laughs> well, I, I just went with, with the numbers. I mean, Dolphins are second to last in the league in turnover ratio. They've or takeaways, I think. They have they have three. That's they have it? three takeaways all season. That, that's stunning to me. Yeah. And they have a winning record, which is even more crazy because typically if you've only taken the ball away three times, you're not beating teams. No. We'll go to the next question, and please no one clip this, what I'm about to say. It's the Chubb Bowl. Will Nick Chubb have more rushing touchdowns than Bradley Chubb has sacks in the first edition of the 2022 UCSS Chubb Bowl? Maurice, you're up first. Uh, I'll I'm going to say yes. I looked up Bradley Chubb. He has five and a half sacks. And so it's not like he's trending very well and knocking things out. So I'm going to say yes. Nick will Maurice win. says yes, as does the Browns-laden <laughs> Homer crowd of the UCSS panel. We all think Nick is the superior Chubb to Bradley. Well, here's the thing. It's been proven pretty hard to get Brissett down. Like, yeah. I don't know how, but he, he's able to shake guys. He, yeah, he doesn't take the he's sacks. Just, he, he reminds me – Please don't take this. The only, it's the only time I'll ever say this. He's a little Brady-like. In that, right? In that, you Clip think that. you think you have him, yeah. and it looks like he's out of oxygen. Yeah. And the next thing you know, Brady's so crafty at a quick little turn, slide, and release. And I don't know if he learned that from playing under him in New England, but he he's done that a number of times this year. Where I say. He's Tom Brady in that in that regard. I will go another Hall of Fame quarterback, and I'd say Roethlisberger because he's so big. Yeah, and he's able that's to just true. he's just able to shake defenders off him. Where Ben was so big, it was hard to get him down. He, ben was like an oak tree. That, yeah, one guy out around his Jacoby's leg. the same way, man. man. He he's is a big, big dude. Big dude. I yeah. mean, he be run, he be running slow, like when you in a dream running slow. You ever been trying to run away from somebody in your dream? You're like, I don't got no gears. Where's the third gear? There's a goblin behind me. I got to go. Don't get up. Zero. 
G Bush, you come back. He's, he's you on fire. We talked yesterday. We talked on the phone Tuesday. He's on right, fire. Right now, I was like, that's good. Mike, I, I said this to Mike Pope Jr. <laughs> I like that. He's like, yeah, you trying out your material. Yeah, on I'm Mike? trying out the material. Mike, he said, that's good. That's good. Yeah, you bring get, that. Get to the punch quicker. You'll be all right. Yeah, all, right. <laughs> all right. Very well done. Uh, what's the next one? Last question here. This is a question we've asked a few times this year, but it's even more apropos with this <laughs> downfield vertical attack of the Dolphins. But will the Browns allow a pass play of at least 39 and a half yards against the Dolphins? Maurice. Yeah, I say yes, just because I, I assume there will be a play that Tyreek Hill uh, catches short and run long. That was yeah. my thought behind it. So I'll say yes. The deep plays can be backbreakers. We know Tyreek could break it at any point. And Maurice agrees with, once again, everyone else on the panel. So of yeah. the four unanimous is Maurice was three or four with us. And like I said, we were three and five and eight previous unanimouses. So there's some opportunities here for us to be wrong that benefits the Browns. There's also some opportunities for us well, to be wrong. that one right there would. That crushes them. Uh, is it the Tyreek factor, just the ability to turn a short yeah, slant? Yeah, I mean, I'm exactly, the house? exactly what Maurice said. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that it'll be a deep ball that travels 39.5 yards in the air. I think more likely it'll be a quick slant. It'll be something where he throws a wiggle on a guy and there's no deep help. And the next thing you know, he's scooting down the sidelines. My goodness. I, I could almost hear it. Like, I don't know why I got this narrative <laughs> in my head. I could almost feel it like the Browns dominated the whole game. Chubb scores two touchdowns. Jacoby Brissett has no turnovers. But the Dolphins in the fourth quarter down like 10, throw a pass to Tyreek Hill and, and he breaks one tackle, goes to the house. And now all of a sudden, it's right back at another ball game. Yeah. I've seen him catch the ball and go to the house with, with people with angles on him. And right. he just keeps going and it's touchdown. Like, I, I, I don't know what Kansas City was doing. So, G. Bush. Chico. Do, do, do you understand what you just I understand what you just said? So, you just admitted without saying it directly that uh, the, the horrible teams can't be consistent for a period of time. And that's what I was saying earlier about Northwestern, right? So, you know in the back of your mind that – and all, all it takes is Tyreek just to stay focused one time and catch That's one pass if yep. you believe he can. He's been consistent, right? And so coaches prey on this, right? They'll look in the first um they'll look in the first series and right, they'll say, Okay, we see how they lined up, right? And so we'll come back to Tyreek in the fourth quarter because a tired Tyreek is better than uh, uh, whoever it is the Browns have on defense. And that's how that stuff happens. It is just a game of averages, right? And you'll say, man, I'll take my tired Tyreek that I paid $25 million to who runs a 4-1 uh, against these Browns and somebody will miss a tackle, somebody will be horrible with assignments. And when they, when they, when they analyze and assess a team, they understand who has mistakes. They understand who has errors. They understand who has poor tackling form. They understand who can't cover on double moves. They understand all that stuff. And when you see those guys assembled in the box, all those guys are feeding into somebody's headset in order for them to try to make those plays, depending upon the circumstance. So, I mean, you, you kind of said, you kind of proved the point that I was making about horrible teams and better teams. Here's the only thing I'll say about the Tyreek fear, and it's real. <laughs> He's got 76 catches. Three touchdowns. Three. I, that's, that's bizarre to so me. So he's going to put them in position, yeah. but he's not the one getting them six. So you can almost give Tyreek his yards and still win the game because yeah. he's only scored three times. If it's a bend, don't break. Right. I, yeah. I, I don't know. My fear is looking that he's only got three touchdowns, and you know that the more the sample size, the more you come back to the where your average. Regress to the mean. 
like I'm afraid that he's going to put up three or four. He could. He could. Just he like has that, that game-breaking ability. He's, it looked like he do. He How do you explain three touchdowns? Three. So well, he has 76 catches and three touchdowns. That's so weird. Mike Gusecki, their tight end, has 22 catches and five touchdowns. And yeah, I mean, Jay, obviously he's a bigger the red target, zone target, so the red zone threat. Yeah. But I, I just can't believe that he hasn't gotten loose more than three I know, times. I know. I'm just saying, like, there is a path to let let Tyreek be Tyreek, and you're going to get gashed. Right. And you still win the game because you're keeping him out of the end zone. Uh, Maurice, before we let you go, it's my contention that the pivotal player in this game will be Denzel Ward. We don't even know if he's going to play or not. Um, if he plays, he's got to play like the old Denzel Ward from last year, not mm-hmm. the guy that we've seen for most of this year. What's your take on, on that? Should they man Ward against Hill? How, sh- how would you defend Hill? Uh, I would man him. I, I feel like this. I would man him because I, as a coach, I would want to challenge him and force him to say, hey, man, you have to get this thing back in gear. There's no better way to get in gear than to take one of the top dogs in the NFL and just plaster you on him and hope that you raise to that level of competition, right? You don't give nobody $70 million or whatever they gave Denzel and yeah. not believe that he has something inside of him, right? And sometimes just the, the, the best way to do something is to put – uh, put the best like put put you against the best person and hope that the better or, or hope that his talent brings the best out of you. Yeah. And so let me tell you like this: you don't get to seventy million on on accident, right? And I don't think that Denzel, after meeting him as a person, I don't think he's a bad kid. I think he's like a very humble, respectful, good guy. Uh, but you know, just you know, may, maybe he just needs to go back to the drawing board in the, in the off season. Maybe he did too many interviews and too many leisurely things, uh, you know, post-contract. But um, I think he can I think he can keep clicking back on. You know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I like what you said about let's our stud on your stud, see who wins. And also the fact that, you know, it's it's almost like the, the hitter in baseball that's having a terrible series, then comes up in a huge spot in game six or seven, and he gets that one home run and all is forgotten. If he can man hill and lock him up, and the Browns win this game, that's going to erase a lot of the warts that we've seen from him earlier this year, and I think he knows that. Big challenge, and I I love what you said. Big-time players want to step up, and they want to be against the best player on the other team. So hopefully he's healthy, he's on the field, and we'll see what happens. Maurice, always good to see you. I want to ask you about the Buckeyes. Um, They're playing Indiana. You don't see another playing down to the competition, do you? This should be a really easy one. No, no the, the, the last week, w- w- the last week allows Ryan Day to get in these guys, butt to let them know that they did horrible, right? So they'll think they'll come back into this week preparing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know what's up in a couple weeks, right? So then you have to play well this week, and then you have to play very well the week prior to Michigan, and you want to roll into that week and then roll into the playoffs, but uh, they got this game out of the system, but but they, they there's still stuff that they need to develop. They still need reps. They still need other people right. to get the ball besides Marvin Harrison Jr. You need uh, to see if we're going to have two games or three games with uh, Jackson uh, JSN. Uh, he's another name that I mess up, right? Yeah. Uh, you have to have a few games with him. You have to get the uh, the um, Mayan Williamson. You have to get him the ball and right. and. He needs his reps now that he's come back from his injury. So the Buckeyes have a few things to figure out. Uh, but I'll tell you this, and I'll say it on this show, and you can take this as a, a sound bite. The Buckeyes don't have the level of nastiness that Michigan has. 
Ooh. If you look at Michigan, and I know I'm looking forward, yes, and I'm, I'm telling you this, you, you can't win a championship without that stuff that you see what Georgia did to Tennessee. Yep. Georgia plays with a level of disrespectful nastiness. <laughs> um, I'm serious. This no, is no, this is no, this is right. how you this is how you win. You can't win with cute guys. You can't win with five star. I put up a bunch of stats, guys. Right. You you need you some need dogs. Nastiness. You need some dogs. Man, when I look at Michigan, and I'm telling you this right now, what fears me most is that these dudes are nasty, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And they beat Ohio State up last year. And, you know, I don't know how you neutralize nastiness because nastiness can make, you know, great players turn into chumps. And um, and, and that's – I'm saying it right now. That's what fear – that's what I fear with Michigan coming up. But they'll play better. They'll beat these guys. But the game I'm worried about is Michigan. But uh, I don't see – I'll tell you like this right now. I don't see nobody beating Georgia. If Georgia do what they did to Tennessee last week, oh, yeah, I agree. they'll be celebrating again in Athens. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's certainly the way things are trending right now. Uh, and you can't fake nasty either. You can't you can't manufacture it. It's no. new or it's not. <laughs> and right now, I agree with you. I think there's there's a little bit of softness to this Buckeye team. Maurice, thanks so much. Have All a right, great bro. week. We'll check with you next week, my friend. All, All right. right. Always good. The Later. great Maurice Claret. Um, I, we, we've talked about this a lot with the Browns, that they don't seem to have that nasty streak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've noticed the same thing with Ohio State. I, I saw it first against the Notre Dame game. I thought there were times where they should have been angry and stepped up and somebody should have kind of, you know, riled the troops, and I didn't see it. I haven't seen it from them all year long. All right, uh, we're excited right now because we're bring- we love when we have diff- folks that are outside the sports universe but that are big sports fans on the program. Sam Yeager's a guy who is uh up-and-coming actor. He's got this Netflix thing we want to talk to him about. I know as you're seeing him right now, you're going, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I know that guy. He is a huge Browns fan. He's a huge Buckeye fan. Sam, yeah. welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. It's great to have you on, man. Guys, thanks for having me. It's a thrill. Like, uh, like legit honor to be with you guys. Well, I, we're, uh, we're glad to have you for sure. Tell us about the origins of your Buckeye fandom. I mean, most of us are born into this nonsense. How did you become a, yeah. a Browns and a Buckeye fan? Same deal. You know, my uh, my all my siblings, I have uh, three older siblings, they all went to a Ohio State. My daughter went to Ohio State, my stepdaughter. And uh, and I, I went to school in Otterbein. I grew up in Perrysburg in northwest Ohio. Nice. And, uh, and my dad was a long and is a long-suffering Indian slash Guardians uh, <laughs> fan. But, uh, man, that guy, that guy copes really well with loss in a way that I admire. <laughs> I, I, I was like... I was like, man, I mean, I tell you what, it, 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 how are we supposed to beat the Yankees when they're making 200 million more dollars than we are? Exactly. And my dad, my dad was just like, well, you know, we had a great season and uh, I had a great time watching them. <laughs> you know what it is? No, Sam. Dad, it's not Sam. fair. It's not fair. You know, <laughs> take the Yankees but down. Sam, not- here's the deal, because I, I feel your dad's oh. pain. I really do. And I watched my dad kind of go through that evolution, and now I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, t- when trust you've me. Been does through, it. It's experience. When you've been through yeah. so many heartbreaking defeats, so many oh, disappointing series ends, at some point it's just, well, Throw another log on the fire. Here we go. Exactly. You'll get there, Sam. <laughs> I tell you what, what, what went a long way was that 2006 uh, game against Urban Meyer's Gators. Uh, that hurt so badly Oh God! That, that after that, I was just like, eh, you know what? It's not as bad as the 2006 national championship game. <laughs> that, 
you know, everything after that is just like, eh, you know, it hurts, but uh, what are you going to do? That did so, set the bar. Sam, we had Anthony Gonzalez on a few weeks ago, of course, the receiver on that team now in, in yeah. politics, living in the political world. And, and I was an Ohio State beat writer back at that time. I was covering Ohio State, and the rumor was Ted Ginn was the entire game plan against that game. Yeah. And, of course, he gets hurt. Roy Hall tackles him in the end zone, Crazy. bust up his ankle, and the whole game plan went out the window. And Anthony confirmed it. He said, yeah, that's true. The entire plan, yeah. they're going to put Ted in the Wildcat. They had Ted lined up all over the field. And on the opening kickoff, the entire game plan for that game disintegrated wow. before their eyes. And you, saw, you sort of saw that play out. They could not yeah. move the ball against Florida that day. No. I kind of feel the same about uh, when Sermon went out in, in the COVID game against Alabama in the national championship two years ago. I was like, I have a feeling, I mean, that guy was on, he was like Ezekiel Elliott level by the end of that season. And when he started going, when he went out, I was like, I don't think we're getting back in this game. I think a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your premonition again, was exactly but again, right. again, I was like, yeah, that's, that was a bad game. But still not as bad as that national champion. <laughs> and, you know, and Sam, what people forget is they came right back after that and played LSU. Beanie Wells breaks off this huge run, and you're like, oh, they're ready to go. Here we they, go. Here we go. Let's run it up, boys. And then yep. that was it. That was done. Yeah. That's the hard part about rooting for 20-year-olds. Isn't it? I mean, you're just like, I put all my time and energy into this, and they're just like, they're, they're so fickle kids. Yeah. It's funny you say that. That's crazy. I have a 20 year old right now, and it's like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. No. It's and literally, his, his day is determined on whether he eats fruity pebbles or frosted wheat in the morning. It's just that's like, how am I supposed to. Damn. That's why I'm a, it's a miracle when you have a, a winning season. You're just like to get all these kids corralled and focused and, and, you know, like Maurice was saying, get them angry or find some sort of level of aggression that they need to harness. That's hard to do over a whole season with, with college kids. It really is. And now that you have, you know, the fear of losing all the money for these either upper class, the kids that, are, that know they're going to the NFL, you can right. kind of watch and you're looking at them in the game and they're going, he doesn't care. He's not even trying. Yeah. And, and you're yeah. a grown-ass man sitting in a chair rooting for a 19 or 20-year-old <laughs> who's about to go make yeah. $8 million a year. And he's just, in his mind, he's got to be laughing that he has such control over grown men's Crazy. emotions. Crazy. Oh, completely. I don't know if, if I was Jackson Smith and Zuba, if I would come back to play. I had a I mean, conversation he, with a friend yesterday. Oh, no. Same conversation. Yeah. I, I did. What, look what he has to lose. Yeah. He's going to be, what, top two receivers out, out in the draft? and It's going to make I a mean, boatload of money. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't and, want to go know, and get hurt. Yeah. And a lot of these guys grew up in a situation where they had the opposite of that. And so if they're thinking about, well, I, I, you know, I want to help out my family and do all that stuff, I, I'm not going to blame them. I mean, of course. Yeah, That's sure. one of the great things about this NIL thing. Hey, I noticed the H on you on the left sleeve, so I know that's an homage shirt. And then I, I saw a glimpse of Cedar Point. As a yeah. Sandusky kid, I love the fact that you're wearing a Cedar Point shirt. Favorite ride at the park? Ooh. I know, that's uh, tough. I, that is tough. I, you know, this is so funny. My 12-year-old is obsessed with roller coasters, but also terrified of them. So I get, <laughs> I get so many questions about, like, Dad, what's your top three rides at Cedar Point? Like weekly, and I, I think I got to go, uh, you know, Millennium. Uh, yeah, Millennium is great. I think, 
But I think Maverick is is just so fun. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's, it's so, a different one. I love Steel Vengeance. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's just it's it's the pro for me. It's the prototypical roller coaster. It's a, it's got all oh, the thrills com- that you want. They're completely. putting a new one in right now. It's like the mouse. Yeah. Mouse ride or some some I don't know what it is, but yeah. I think I think they're going to be individual cars that actually spin while you're yeah. going through the roller coaster, and that, that might be too much for me. <laughs> I don't uh, know. And, and that might be too much. I don't know. Yeah, hey, it's Sam, funny. I, we go we go out to the Magic Mountain out here, and it was like you know it's a long time competitor of of Cedar Point, and it doesn't have the same magic as no. as that park. There's just something about pulling into Sandusky and yeah. seeing it across the water and pulling up. You're so man, true. It was yeah. yeah. I like every summer I'd be like, hey, uh, which church groups from Perrysburg are going? Because we got that right. I'm there at least four times this summer. So I was like, awesome. okay, I'm going to Zora Luthres, traveling on the 23rd. <laughs> you know, Sam, there's an attendance policy for them, 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 them Sunday schools, though. In the summer, in summer camp, you got to at least go to 85% before they let you on that trip. I didn't try They got smart. Uh, you got two more weeks. You can't miss. <laughs> Show up for for Cedar Point Day. That does, that's not how it works. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk to you about Devlin, Ohio. But first, hand to God, I swear. My I don't know if she's watching. My wife just texted me and said, "You better tell Sam how much I love Joel on Parenthood." We watched oh, every true. episode. We watched the entire series. It's a great it was show. our favorite show at the time. Oh, I was so you. sad it went off. It was a massive cast. I can't believe NBC could afford to pay you guys as long as they did. It lasts as long as it did. What was that like? Just the, I mean, it was, it was, this is us before this is us for the young and too like yeah. this is yes. us. Parenthood was before right. this is us. How did that happen yeah. for you? How did you get on there and just take us through what, what that show was like for you? Yeah, I think, I think the reason it wasn't as big a, a hit as this is us is it was called parenthood. And so I think people who were like, well, that's not me. I'm not a parent, but watching that show, I was always like, watching the teenagers thinking, boy, that is exactly what being a teenager is like, you know, the struggles, you know, and and I think that's what kept us alive is that we, you know, all the stories resonated with anybody who's a, who's a, you know, a family, you know, family man, family, you know, a mother, a kid. But uh, yeah, I I came onto that show. It was like, they didn't know what to do with my, my character to start off because he was a, uh, and I, I was the last person cast, strangely enough, and I didn't find this out until we were shooting the pilot. One of the producers at NBC said, um, my character was a stay-at-home, stay-at-home dad. contractor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the, the producer said, you know why it was so hard to cast your role? And I said, why? She said, because my boss is a working woman with a stay-at-home husband, and her boss is a working woman with a stay-at-home husband. Wow. wow. So there was a lot of discussion about what your character was supposed to be. <laughs> and, wow, and I said, I mean, the question is whether they were trying to cast for what they wanted their husbands to actually be or whether they were trying to cast what their husbands were. I don't know. But it was, uh... <clears throat> you know, Sam, I got to ask this question. Got to get to it. Now, as a, I'm a former football player in college. So when you play mm-hmm. football, you got to have all these random, you lift weights, you run, you do drills specific to what you, what you do, just so you can go out and prepare to, and play on Saturdays or Sundays in the NFL. Now for yeah. you, a lot of people don't understand what is your training routine when you are trying to learn a script 
and learn your lines. It, are they putting you through some sort of drill? Do you have something special you do, like your process mm -hmm. to learning a script, and how fast do you um, usually retain the knowledge? That's a good question. You know, unless it's they, they just kind of leave you to your own devices. If it's you know a character you got to build and memorize, you better show up and and be memorized. And wow. I've been on set somebody just doesn't have the material, so you gotta you gotta work. I have a an app that just kind of repeats all the dialogue so I can memorize it over a couple of days. But I usually start looking at the material two days before I get to a scene. Otherwise, if I look at it the night before and show up on set, I'm not as sharp as I should be. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was, I went to Otterbein University um, and uh, learned a, a, a bunch there about how to prepare. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts. You just got to be like, you, you just got to, you got to train yourself and keep sharp. And luckily, I, I'm surrounded by really talented people and I don't want to drop the ball. So um, I'm always trying to, you know, you always got to keep learning, right? The second yeah. you stop and think, well, you know, this is, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. That's when you start to, you know, lose your edge. And uh, I always want to be hungry. Sam, you know? I, I'm fascinated with the journey. There are so many folks that did everything you did. They went to the right college, they studied, they thought they were ready for it. But the number of folks that toil forever and never get those big credits like you've had and those yeah. big opportunities, what is that like? It's almost like trying to become a professional athlete. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Everybody wants to do it, but there's, there's a tough barrier to entry. Tell us a little bit about your journey. I know you said you went to Otterbein, but how did this whole thing unfold for you? Well, you know, I just, it's interesting. I, when I got to college, I, I, um, I was one of the youngest uh, to be a lead in the play there. You know, I, I don't think they'd had any freshmen who were leads in the, in the plays at Otterbein until I, I got there. And by the, by the end of my time there, I, I, I don't know, theater is a weird thing because you want to, you want to instill confidence in kids. And I was lucky enough to be as cocky coming out of school as I was going in. And uh, I think a lot of kids got told over years, like, yeah, you know, you got this, you got to work on this. And I just happened to look like a 40 year old at 20. So I got all the juicy parts. <laughs> the uh, it's a relief to finally uh, look my age uh, now, but uh, you know, I think I just, I just kept on, Here's a good story for you. My son and I, my son is obsessed with Legos and he wanted to enter the Lego, like a Lego competition. And he started looking at the other competitors that were posting their stuff. And he was like, what, why, why are we even going to submit? We're just going to lose. And I said, buddy, my whole career is lost. It's just accepting loss at every level. I lose, I lose one out of, I get one out of every 20 jobs. And wow. so there are 19 jobs that I just kind of accept. And I have a whole Rolodex of coping skills that I pull out. I'm like, oh, well, it wasn't meant to be. Or, the, you know, I pull out the next one and it says, oh, is that who you guys went with? Well, you have terrible taste. I wouldn't want to be a part of that production anyway. So it's just a whole, you know, there's a whole list of things where you just, it's, it's kind of shrugging off all the, all the rejection you get and just persevering. It's. It's like Harrison Ford once said, you know, I a whole bunch of kids 
got off a bus and I just never got back on the bus and went back to the town I grew up in. And mm. so yeah. you just keep going, that, you keep trying. Yeah. That plus extreme luck, you know, just yeah. kind of those things have to combine in order to keep this career going. So I've been lucky to work with great people and, and hopefully that continues. Well, this is the first time and last time you'll ever be asked a question by a guy named McNuggets, but our, <laughs> our, our producers died to ask a question. So Mikey, go ahead. Yes, Sam. Hey, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, in doing some research, I saw you're attached to the new Saw movie that's either going to be filmed next year or coming out. And I have, do you know about this or do you know you're attached? No. Well, <laughs> wow. Congratulations. You just got a job. We heard the new Saw movie. So if not, this wow. question is completely irrelevant then. So ignore this question. Yeah, I mean. I told you it's the last time you're going to be asked a question. That's by the last question I'm ever asking on the show. Ever. <laughs> I can't believe the internet anymore. This dude is like. Huh? I was told to believe everything on the internet. It's, it's the wrong blue check mark on Twitter, right? Is no, it's on it? IMDb. I'm looking at it right now. It says uh, Sam Yeager and Emma Diorsi from House of Dragons are the two co-stars. Wow. That's a Congratulations, good Sam. That's, that's a good call. That's this crazy. is great, man. This is great. Hey, we heard it here. Um, <laughs> thanks for keeping me employed. You know, <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> Go call What's his your agent. favorite job, Sam? What's the the one role that you've enjoyed more than any other? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Ninety-three percent of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com/podcast. Just go to Indeed.com/podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Parenthood was special because it was, uh, a, you know, it was a great time, you know, being, a, you know, I, I was, I was a young dad. And so I could kind of take everything that was happening in my life and take it into, into work with me. But, uh, also, you know, uh, doing Handmaid's Tale right now is, is pretty cool. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's it. Yeah. Watching all those, you know, the cast and, you know, we're se- five seasons in and everybody's still trying to make the show better. And that's that's a that's a real treat. Uh, some so. guys, some some actors and actresses don't like to talk about this. And I'll totally understand if you want to take a pass. But I always like <laughs> asking, what was the role that got away? The one that you really wanted, you thought you had a chance, but you didn't get. Do you have one of those? <sighs> no, you know, I, wow. I will say. I auditioned for, you know, again, I got to I got to come up with these coping skills, uh, you know, but I don't like to look back and try and say what could have been. I, I will say that I put myself on tape for uh, the the Macbeth movie that the Cohen, one of the Cohen brothers did. Oh, wow. And I thought well, that's the best work I've ever done that nobody will see the light. Of, you know, it'll never see the light of day. But wow. there's a uh, yeah. But there's also, you know, it's a strange career. Like I, I did right after Parenthood, I did two TV shows. I was the lead on two shows. One was produced by Spielberg. And uh, both of them were on a network where they had, a, you know, a new head of the network. And so they didn't want any of the old shows. And so I, I did shows that will never see the light of day. And those are the those are the things that are hard, you know, because you put all your time and you go travel. Like my family traveled to New Zealand for this one Spielberg production. Wow. And it and, it, and the network was like, no. And so, wow. you know, we don't want that. Yeah, that's tough. Wow. Yeah, that's got, that. 
It's got to yeah. be done. We got to get your thoughts on the Browns. Um, we're kind of looking at the Ward Dolphins. Denzel Ward is playing, by the way. He just said he is oh, playing this wonderful. weekend. Oh, wonderful. As in the okay. last like, minute and a half, Denzel Ward. That's a, that's a huge plus. Uh, I've been saying yeah. all week long, if Denzel doesn't play, this is a hard L. Uh, I think they've got yeah. a serious chance. Now, This t- to us, it feels, Sam, like it's a playoff game because you start doing the math. You start looking at the schedule going forward. Somehow, you've got to get to 6-5, and five, and for that to happen, they've got to you know, they've got to beat three really good teams. I mean, Tampa Bay with Tom Brady can be great. They can also be, uh, you know, kind right. of a question mark. But we're looking at as, as as a playoff game and a must win. What have you made of what we've seen from the Browns so far? And what do you think about what this team could be moving forward with Deshaun Watson? Boy, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, I my my the verdicts out on the Deshaun Watson of it all. I I still feel like they would have been better off saying, you know, we're going to take our shots with uh, kind of anybody else. When you have people that are waiting for someone to come in and kind of holding, you know, holding the fort, uh, that's a that's a precarious position to be in. Oh, and then yeah. the pressure is going to be on when when he comes back. There's suddenly going to be you know this you know, this powerhouse and that's hard, you know, you just don't add one person and immediately go, you know, you're a five-star team. So they got a lot of great elements and they're, a, they're a tenacious team, but I think Claret was right. You know, you want a little bit more nasty and I just feel like there's, they're waiting, you know, they're in this holding pattern. So I, I think this is a crucial game. If they lose one more, I don't, you know, I think it's numbers, you know, Getting into the playoffs with one more loss at this stage, it'd be uh, pretty harmful. Yeah, the so. margin of error really goes away. Yeah. If you're sitting at six yeah. losses and you're nine games in, it's it's just about, you know, at, at, yeah. they say you are what your record says you are. Mm-hmm. At that point, you are a three and six. And uh, yeah. trying to turn that around somehow would be next to impossible. I got yeah. two. Com- I'm gonna, I got two questions completely unrelated. I'm going to smash them together and make one. Number one, <laughs> uh, I want to go back to parenthood. I'm still hung up on parenthood. You are, you worked with a very, very young Michael B. Jordan on the set. Yeah. I'm just wondering what that was like, if you saw then what he has become, if you saw that in his future. And then also, tell us a little about Devil in Ohio on Netflix now. There's a lot of Cleveland gear in that show, and how much say did you have in, in that <laughs> is the character yeah. in sort not the you character, know, but in sort of like the background setting and all that. Yeah. Well, to Michael B, I mean, he was just a sweet kid. He was a talented, sweet, you know, tenacious kid. So you could, but you know, I just think he, his career took off. He happened to be at the right place at the right time. He's talented. He's, he's, he's thoughtful. Um, my, my closest friend, Jonathan majors is in uh, Creed three, with him coming up and that's very much you know he's he's one of those guys that i i met on a uh, a project years back and i thought this kid is uh he's a firebrand he's in the new movie uh um devotion coming up which is he's fantastic in but uh yeah who, who you know it's just he's it's it's exciting to watch these young guys come up and and take over the world um as far as devil in ohio is concerned uh that is, I, I was stunned because we shot that in Vancouver. And when really? I showed up on set, yeah. Well, it's nothing sh- like Cleveland. <laughs> I know. It felt like they did such a good job. One of the producers spent a, a good chunk of her time in her childhood in Ohio. So when I showed up on set, I said, you know, it's funny. If anybody 
uh, came to this set and saw how many pictures of like Ohio Stadium are up and like, you know, that people have a framed uh, Ohio State logo above their mantle, they'd be like, this is a little overboard. People in Ohio don't really decorate their homes in scarlet and gray. And the answer is they absolutely do. You yeah, know, the, that. Like, well, you know, a framed picture of the horseshoe, that's not uncommon nope. in, in Ohio. So it was it was really awesome to step on set and be like, hey, we're in Vancouver, but I feel like, I mean, somebody's a Buckeye here. You guys got to. <laughs> yeah, just to know here. that that's a real thing. Yeah. They, they do that yeah. indeed. Hey, listen, yeah. Sam, we can't thank you enough for coming on the program. Um, we'll be looking for you in Saw. I can't wait to see yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, by the way, Hold on. A little vindication. Let's take tag board full. Oh, oh. Again, I know the internet doesn't lie, but it does say that is that is Sam Yeager <laughs> and the DRC. So well, hand I up my bad. I'll never ask a question again. I'm so sorry. You better call no, your agent, Sam. I think you got another I, job coming. that. Boy. I, oh, I'm excited. There's a check in the mail. <laughs> um, He's allegedly in song. I, I might as well go ahead and leak the, uh, leak the information that you're in House of Dragons season two. <laughs> Let's do it. You're, you're actually riding one of Daenerys' dragons that came back from, uh, from the dead. So here you go. You bet, man. You bet. <laughs> Sam, continued success, man. Thanks for joining us on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports hey, Show. Thanks, thanks. man. We appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.